Five. What's the occasion? Four. What is all the commotion about? Three, two, one, go. This is the feed on NR92. Welcome to the feed. I'm only Alex B. And I'm the dub. Today we're talking about the 90s. So much of what happened in the 90s is making a comeback. 90s shows are returning or being remade, like Full House or Boy Meets World. Bands like Backstreet Boys and New Kids on the Block are reunited and touring successfully. Oh yeah, running home to watch Much Music Countdown and Mike Sobel on Saturday mornings with my favorite cartoons. Remember those good old days, Dub? I sure do, bud. I remember pixie sticks, pogs, and heavily pixelated pictures of Captain Janeway. Why were they heavily pixelated? Because the internet was terrible back then. Ah, yes. Yelling at your mom to get off the phone so you could listen to that sweet screech of dial tone. I remember those days. But what do you remember most about that decade? What I remember most about the 90s was the television. And there was nothing on TV quite like The X-Files. The X-Files. There's simply no other shows that are as iconic in my mind as this. There is nothing else that reminds me of my childhood so much as this either. The X-Files for me is like an old friend. When I see it again, it's as if I'm nine years old, holed up in the basement on Sunday nights with the lights off. Now that I'm older, there's so much about the show that reminds me of the 90s. But what is it about the show that is so, well, 90s? I believe that what we're looking for in the X-Files, I'm more certain than ever that the truth is in there. I've heard the truth, Mulder. Now what I want are the answers. Creator Chris Carter believes there was a rampant mistrust of authority in the 90s, and so a television show about government cover-ups tapped into that mistrust repeatedly. Agent Fox Mulder's quest for the truth in spite of the government mirrored that anxiety and mistrust of authority. You can deny all the things I've seen all the things I've discovered, but not for much longer. Because too many others know what's happening out there. And no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. Academic and cultural critic Paul Cantor believes the same thing. In his essay, This Is Not Your Father's FBI, he said the X-Files found a way to exploit the political disillusionment of the American government tapping into the viewer's sense that their government doesn't have their best interests in mind. It's not just about those Monster of the Week episodes, though there were many of those that were outstanding. It appears the cockroaches are mortally attacking people. I'm not going to ask you if you just said what I think you just said, because I know it's what you just said. So the X-Files is 100% about the 90s for me. I'm not so sure why I think it is, because I was too young to mistrust the government. Maybe, as a lonely boy who begged his parents to stay up late to watch The X-Files, I was imagining the possibility that aliens exist. The idea that we inhabit this universe all alone seems so unlikely, and the possibility that the government is lying to us about the existence of aliens is more believable than the possibility that there just aren't any. Maybe, just like Mulder, I want to believe. I also learned to deny everything and to trust no one from the X-Files. Life lessons for anyone, I'm sure. You really don't trust anyone? Well, no. 
Well, I trust you. No, you don't. Well, anyway, I do agree that the TV was great, no doubt, but the video games were even better. A lot. Of, I loved a lot of games when I was younger. JP, you looked into video games in the 90s. Tell us about that. Thanks, Alex. Video games are a huge part of my childhood, and 90s gaming is a deep love in my life. So when I had the chance to cover a brief history of this medium, I completely jumped on the opportunity. Video games have become so predominant in modern society that there's an entire culture with language, conventions, and even art being made by gamers and game lovers worldwide. Now, while video games started as far as 1962 with Space War made in MIT, they started to really rock it off in the early 90s. Numerous franchises that are still popular now were lovingly started in the 1990s. Just this year, we got follow-ups to Doom, Hitman, and even Mario... With a hopeful release of Half-Life 3, these games are known for their solid gameplay and seemingly impossible difficulty levels at the later stages, especially with skilled games. That's what makes the 90s so damn great. Developers weren't afraid to experiment and test out new concepts. It's why my personal favorites, Sonic the Hedgehog 2 and The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time are still so great to this day. This is why they're still classics. The late 90s brought about the starts of online gaming with the Dreamcast and 3D games with the PlayStation and Nintendo 64. Many great RPG franchises got some of their best entries in the 1990s. Looking at you, Final Fantasy 7-9. Now, while the 2000s and beyond brought us truly spectacular visuals and a heavy emphasis with the online experience, the 90s was a timeless period when gaming was still complete. In the 90s, you didn't worry about microtransactions and the game you bought was oftentimes complete with an expansion pack or two, usually on the PC side. And with the rise of the indie scene, games are returning to their roots with old classics getting modern retouch-ups and very similar gameplay, especially fan-made games like Metroid. Gamers are an intelligent bunch with many composers joining together to create indie music labels such as OC Remix, which takes the best remixes of video game soundtracks and turns them into any genre you can truly imagine. The cosplay scene is huge as well, but if you really want to experience the 90s in its truest form, you can always pop down to a secondhand game store, grab a few classics, maybe a console or two, and play them from the comfort of your own couch. However, if you're not willing to drop significant money upwards of hundreds of dollars, there's always emulation. The beauty of 2016 and beyond is you can go on your computer, phone, or tablet, find a ROM to boot up your favorite 80s or 90s title, or even early 2000s. Now excuse me while I go replay Sonic 2 for the hundredth time. Throughout my journey of rediscovering some of my favorite classics, I realized how vast the 90s gaming scene was and how far we've come in just the last 20 years. I think my fondest gaming memory is when I marathoned all of Banjo-Kazooie to completion. Alex, what is your all-time favorite game? Uh, well, in the early 90s, it was Super Mario Yoshi's Island. Then later, it was all Mortal Kombat. Nice. And Dub, what's yours? Uh, mine has to be Ocarina of Time, Legend of Zelda. It was it was an awesome game all around. Hey, Thank thanks, you. GP. Well, Alex, the video games were excellent, no doubt. But the music, it was really sweet. Did you really just say that, Dub? I did. How do you like them apples? All right, enough. The music was excellent, and Kat looked into the best of 90s music. What did you find out, Kat? Okay, well, let me start off by saying I've been so excited to do this episode of The Feed because I love the 90s 
more than anything. But it was like it was such a good decade because they had awesome toys, awesome TV shows, the fashion and hairstyles obviously were the best part. Just kidding. You know what the best part was? The music. Ah, yes. The soothing sounds of Alanis Morissette. She is honestly the epitome of 90s alternative rock. So much angst came out of the 90s music scene, which is what I'm blaming my perpetual angst on. But one of the angstiest bands had to be Nirvana. Despite their rugged exterior, they were topping the 90s music charts constantly, but they never let their egos get in the way. You know, and I, and I stood there for a long time, and I know they couldn't read my mind, but I, I was trying to, like, with my eyes, trying to tell them, don't hurt me. <laughs> just, can't you tell? I mean, haven't you read enough from us for the last year that we've, we're not rock stars, you know, we're not trying to be... Although we did display a lot of rock star um, <laughs> things today. As much as rock dominated the 90s, other genres were thriving too. Pop music really saw an increase of boy and girl bands with the likes of Backstreet Boys and Spice Girls. But one genre that really came into itself in the 90s was hip-hop. Before the late 80s, you never really heard rap in the mainstream music scene. But once the 90s rolled around, rappers slayed. This next young man got his nickname from Hammerin' Hank Aaron. But all he ever hammers away at are the charts. His current album has sold more than 5 million copies. And it's only the third rap album in history to top the pop chart. Come on now, you know you can't touch that. MC Hammer's the winner. The 90s really paved the way for the type of music we hear today. It was a time where people were experimental with things like girl and boy bands and grunge rock. Heck, it was even when rap was molded into an actual genre. Without the 90s, I don't know where music would be today. So one genre that I didn't actually touch on in there Kind of, I did, I guess. But um, one genre is pop punk, and obviously Blink-182 is huge. And it's actually kind of funny that this episode of The Feed fell today because they actually just released their uh, new music video for She's Out of Her Mind, which is basically just a gender-swapped version of the What's My Age Again video. It's so 90s, and I love it. Well, thanks, Kat. Alex, I'm a little older than you, so I remember a lot of the biggest news stories of the 90s. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit more about that decade of news, Alex? Well, the 90s wasn't all tubular catchphrases and snap-on wristbands. These were several serious issues that occurred in the 90s, and some could have even split Canada apart. After the failure of the Meek Lake and Charlottetown Accords, the 1995 Quebec referendum asked voters in Quebec whether they should proclaim national sovereignty. No side is going to prevail tonight. Controversies over both the provincial vote counting and direct federal financial involvement reverberated in Canadian politics for over a decade. In the aftermath of the close result, the federal government unilaterally recognized Quebec as a distinct society and amended the federal constitutional veto procedure, referring the issue to the Supreme Court of Canada, which stated that the unilateral succession contemplated in the referendum was illegal. 
Carla Homoka attracted worldwide media attention when she was convicted of manslaughter following a plea bargain in the 1991 and 92 rape murders of three Ontario teenage girls, including her sister. During the 1993 investigation, Homoka stated that she had been an unwilling accomplice to her husband, Paul Bernardo. As a result, she struck a deal for a reduced prison sentence in exchange for a guilty plea of manslaughter. However, videotapes of the crimes were later found that she was a more active participant than she had claimed. When Bill Clinton came to power with the election of 92, he embodied American politics in the 90s. The 1990s wouldn't have been the same without Clinton and the Lewinsky trial that followed. During the grand jury testimony, Clinton's response argued, It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. He was impeached in 1998. 10,000 tons of flowers were left at the royal palaces after the death of Princess Diana. Other notable deaths include Matthew Shepard, child pageant star JonBenet Ramsey, as well as the massacre that occurred in Columbine High School. Former athlete O.J. Simpson was implicated in the killing of his ex-wife. As the trial dragged on, issues of bloody gloves and DNA shaped televised courtroom proceedings for years. 91% of the TV viewing audience watched as the verdict was delivered, making it the most unproductive half hour in U.S. history, costing the U.S. economy millions. Obviously, looking back at some of the stories that shaped the 90s, a lot of fallout is still being felt. Sometimes it's what feels like a shaky relationship with Quebec. The Clinton's sordid past is more relevant now with America's ongoing election, or even the issues dealt with in the L.A. riots that are still being sorted out as racism in the U.S. continues to be a huge issue. Warren, these stories have definitely shaped our society. Thanks so much, Alex. Now, I also remember how I felt when I thought all of the world's computers would stop working as the clock struck 12 on December 31st, 1999. Nolan, why don't you tell us a little bit about the Y2K scare? Sure, Warren. The 90s were a really innovative time. Computers were becoming a part of our everyday lives. You couldn't go a day without using something with a microchip in it. That being said, it left us extremely vulnerable. People believed Doomsday was only two digits away. This is the way the world ends. This is the way the world ends. Not with a bang, but with a bug. Y2K, the Millennium Bug. The year 2000, when everything was thrown into chaos. The world is going to end at midnight tonight. Y2K. At midnight, every computer in the world is going to fail. Planes will fall out of the sky, and all the world's nuclear weapons will explode, annihilating the entire planet. No! People knew, and they tried to warn us. I'm Leonard Nimoy, your guide, as we explore all aspects of the Y2K phenomenon. Every business must take responsibility for making sure it is ready. Everybody prepared for the worst. Call now and get the ultimate Y2K survival kit from BeCalm.com. That was a dragon's breath shell. It can shoot a 4,000 degree flame 300 feet. It's also the most popular ammunition among Y2K customers at KGS Guns and Ammo. And when the ball dropped on New Year's Eve... Absolutely nothing happened. So what was all the fuss about? 
Well, when computers and microchips were being designed, only the last two digits of the year were being used. So what was going to happen when it went from 99 to 00? Hence, Y2K or year 2000. Everybody was afraid the computers would malfunction when the clock reset. What really happened was pretty pathetic compared to the end of the world. Some phone companies in Japan had errors after midnight, new texts were automatically being deleted for being old messages because they were labeled as being sent in the year 1900. The biggest impact Y2K had was in Sheffield, United Kingdom. Incorrect Down Syndrome results were given to 154 pregnant women. Certainly a better result than this. Holy crap! Anybody else feel that? So a big kerfuffle for pretty much nothing, huh? But imagine what could have happened. We could have been set back technologically a couple decades at least. Our station would still be playing tapes. Wow, thanks Nolan. Uh, in about, we'll be coming right back with some more 90s nostalgia on the feed. Welcome to the feed. NR92, the station for the students. Welcome back. Today we're talking about the greatest decade, the 90s. Greatest dub, don't you think you're overstating it a bit? How dare you? I've never overstated anything in the history of the universe. Anyways, all of these references are making me nostalgic. Sid asked people around Nate to tell us about what makes them feel nostalgic for the 90s. Sid? Well, all of our reporters did an excellent job of really encapsulating the 90s. Like, I was born in 95. I wasn't really there to witness it, but everyone on our team makes me feel like I understand it. I went around Nate's campus asking students and staff about their favorite 90s memory. I was, it was interesting to hear the variety of highlights from entertainment to personal adventures. When I asked everyone what their most memorable moment from the 90s was, I was met with a bit of confusion. I was even asked by one person how they were supposed to sum up an entire decade into one moment. But as everyone continued to think about it, they found that one memory that made them smile. I, like most Nate students, was born in the 90s. So our memory is just of childhood. For me, my favorite memory is taking our bikes to Tim Hortons every Sunday with my dad. I don't know, playing in dirt, playing on the farm equipment. Others were teenagers, excited about video games, sports, and music. I'm learning how to use my left hand playing basketball. When the N64 came out, actually, I was a real big fan of that gaming system, and it was just, it consumed me at that point. And uh, there's lots of fond memories of me and my brother playing that. Vanilla Ice and his white Mustang in his music video. Like a lot of young adults today, people were traveling to discover themselves. Probably would be traveling to South America. And where would we be today if families weren't celebrating then? I would say it's my daughter's 21st birthday. Everyone had a different experience in the 90s, so it was interesting to see what advice they would have given their younger selves. Skip university and go to Nate. <laughs> play less video games, probably. <laughs> but pay more attention would have been a bigger one, for sure. I should have worked harder at school. Uh, learn from every situation that you're in. What was your favorite moment from the 90s, and what advice would you give your younger self? While I interviewed everyone, it was interesting to hear these stories and see who everyone became. Like, Alex, what was your favorite 90s memory? 
Uh, I think it was just like playing on the trampoline with all my friends. That's a, a great memory for me. Warren? Uh, playing street hockey. Thanks, Sid. Now, Connor, uh, we've covered so much ground with TV, video games, music, and news from the 90s. But what about the people who grew up in the 90s? What do they think of when they look back on it? Yeah, well, I was only three years old by the time the 90s ended, so I was still a toddler. But my brother and sister were both in their adolescence and preteen years, so I had a chance to sit down and talk to them about their experience. Back in the 90s, times were simpler, music was grungier, cartoons were better, and fashion was often questionable at best. Ooh, vests. Vests were a real thing for a while in the late 90s. But we're over a decade and a half away from the 90s now, and while times are changing, the oh-so-famous 90s kids have not forgotten a moment of their golden days. Which is why I talked to my older siblings, Cody and Kyla, to see exactly what it was like to be a 90s kid. Everybody was a little bit more outspoken. Specifically, I wanted to know some of the highlights of growing up in the 90s. Uh, lawn darts, which we used for natural selection. I kind of liked the grungy look. It wasn't very feminine, and I kind of enjoyed that. You didn't have to be pretty. You could go the grungy route, and it was okay. You know, we grew up with, uh, with the hair and the makeup, and if you wore makeup... You were either in a band or goth. But growing up in the 90s meant more than just dressing right. You had to listen to the right music, too. Um, everything from Twisted Sister, Metallica, all that kind of stuff. Dance Mix 96? Oh my god. Best, best tape ever. <laughs> and while the 90s had the best music you could get, it didn't have the best phones. Oh, when you wanted to talk to your crush, you had to phone them. You had to phone their house. And you had to hope to God that their mom or dad didn't answer. We had phones that when we were mad, we slammed them down. Today's generation will never get to feel the frustration release of slamming a phone down. So these teenagers that just constantly chit-chat with each other all the time, they're, they'll never know. There's a lot of things that kids will never know. Things that happened in the 90s that you'll never be able to replicate because of how society is today. Everything's so airbrushed. There's such a a fake stigma on life right now. Right, we, we grew up with, with sticks and stones and we built forts and absolutely loved it. So what do you do when you're a 90s kid living in a world that is no longer the 90s? I'm not impressing anybody. I've got my kids, I've got my husband, I've got my true friends who I know are my true friends now and I just... I'm back in the 90s. I'm living a, a simpler life, you might say. <laughs> it all just goes to show that it doesn't matter when you grew up. Because by the time you've grown up, you've made the best out of what you had. Call it the 90s today. Call it the 80s. Call it the 70s. Call it now. Just call it your own. Thanks, Connor. Well, that wraps it up for the Feed's look at the 90s. Thanks so much for listening today. Well, when we talk about the 90s and where they are now, sometimes the answer is they haven't gone anywhere. Starting out with a breakout hit in, uh, in 94 with their album Dookie, Green Day entered the public consciousness. Oh, that was such a great album, Alex. I remember it fondly. And today, with several awards in both critical and fan approval, they're still going at it with a brand new album, Revolution Radio. The lead single, Bang Bang, by Green Day on NR92.
Thanks for listening to The Feed. Hear it again on NR92, Sunday nights at 7, and find it online at nr92.com. <laughs>